golf and rock and roll. Not logical, but it is fascinating. Playing down that big old fairway. Don't want no hackers to get in my way. The boys and me got a big NASA going. We were born to drive. It's the Golf Insiders, giving you the inside scoop on all things golf. Now, here are your Golf Insiders on FM 96.9 The Game. Hey, bring me another bucket of balls. We love it. I turn on the lights. I love the lights. Hello, Orlando. You're listening to the Golf Insiders, taking you home on the fairways of I-4. In the house, flying solo tonight. Holly G, and um, wow, what a open championship, epic, historic, one for the record books, one for the memory banks, one for the all-time highlights reel. Jordan Spieth winning his third major, brilliantly coming down the stretch. I'm sure you all saw it, or at least... Uh, DVR'd it and watched it blow by blow as he proceeded to bogey the unlucky number 13th to fall one stroke behind and then unbelievably went birdie on the 14th, which was almost an ace, eagle from 50 feet on the 15th, birdie on the 16th, birdie on the 17th, and a tap-in par on 18 to bring home the Claret Jug. And we're going to waste no time. We've got a huge lineup tonight of our top golf insiders. And uh, we thank the Big Summer Golf Cart for their special sponsorship of our Open Championship uh, wrap-up show tonight. And we're going to go to the one, the only, Bob Herrick from ESPN.com. Just back from across the pond. He was there. I can't wait to hear the blow-by-blow that you saw coming down the stretch there, Bob. Yeah, it was terrific. Um, And who would have ever predicted all that? Uh, It was, um, you know, obviously I think there was a point there we thought where where Jordan really uh, let it get away from him. We couldn't believe how poorly he was playing. And then all of a sudden he goes five under in four holes. So it uh, it was quite the dramatic day and, and, and and kind of tough on Kuchar, you know, who didn't really do anything wrong and uh, and had to kind of wonder what hit him. Yeah, no doubt. Um, you know, golf is a cruel game, right? I mean, in the in the end, in these moments. And uh, he he played his heart out and, you know, hung in there, had uh, the Claret Jug within his grasp when he took the lead on 13. Uh, but it took Michael Grell or Spies Caddy to – stop him and say this is a momentum shift when he made that bogey and you know he just kicked into another gear and you know I think that's what the major champions have Bob it was amazing to see him almost ace that next shot on 14 and then it was just laser all the way to the 18th yeah I mean there was there was a lot of things you could point to I thought as as um 
you know, possible turning points, certainly making a five on that hole after all of that. When, and you know, forget too, Kuchar had a, you know, a relatively makeable birdie putt. I mean, I, I wasn't a gimme by any means, but he had like a 15 or 20 footer on 13, you know, after all that time waiting, you know, he had hit that in there. Um, if he makes that, even with Jordan's bogey, he's two ahead. So you're sitting there going, he's going to be two or three behind easily, maybe four. You know, you're thinking double bogey for sure on that hole. And instead, it was only one shot. And that was a huge um, shift in momentum, I thought. It, uh, you know, Kuchar had to be sitting there thinking, I've got this. I'm in control now. And all of a sudden, he's only got a one-shot lead, which, of course, now he made no mistakes other than on 18 when he was having to kind of play hard for it. But he played, he played those, those next four holes in two under. And Jordan played him in five under. I mean, it was just a remarkable, um, you know, 45 minutes of golf right there after, you know, really it looked so bleak for Jordan. And who would have thought after last year's epic performance on Sunday between Stenson and Mickelson that we could have one-upped it this year? Yeah, I mean, it was epic in a different way, you know, um, uh, from sort of the, you know, obviously the the the, the, the the uh the the closeness of the final round which really was due to jordan letting it get away you know he bogeyed uh what three of the first four holes and and his lead was gone and then you know he got ahead by two again and then gave it back again uh and of course to play the 13th as he did hitting such a poor tee shot to be that far offline it's like 100 yards offline wasn't it (laughs) well i think i think his where he ended up dropping was a hundred yards in the fairway. The tee shot itself was at least 50, 60 yards offline. And, you know, it hit a spectator and then it, you know, it gets all the drama of trying to figure out where to drop it, taking it unplayable, having the presence of mind to know that you can go as far back as you want on the same line. And knowing that if he does that and goes behind those, those equipment trucks, he's going to get relief from there. And, um, so it was, and saying that, he still had a 240-yard shot to the green that he didn't hit particularly well and managed to get that up and down. So, um, you know, it was just a, uh, obviously, very, very memorable open. Yeah, and many things could have gone wrong there. Certainly if he had overjudged it, had it been in the grandstands uh, behind the green. I thought it was interesting, uh, first of all, I don't know what it was like being there, but one of the most revealing press conferences in terms of just the the way he led us in uh, to, and, and talked about, you know, at points where he was nervous, at points where he was thinking about the Masters in 2016, uh, even, you know, the conversation that went on with he and Greller uh, at the 13th where he was talking, you know, they were trying to figure out the yardage, and he said that, you know, normally I'm a better judge of the distance when it comes to angles and and Greller overruled them and said, Hey, no, you're, you know, 230 yards or whatever. Uh, and in that, in that moment, he, he, he went with his caddy. He, you know, right. he had the faith in his caddy and didn't overrule. Him. Yeah. I, I thought you, I thought you're absolutely right. Jordan was, was very, um, you know, he was very open about sort of confronting his demons. I, he, I wrote about that a little bit today that, 
you know, he, he, he more or less admitted that the 16 Masters was sort of in his head there a little bit. He knew that if he, if he let that tournament get away, that was going to continue to be a storyline. And it bothered him, you know. And, you know, I'm not sure if that's a good thing or not, but the fact that he allowed us to, you know, to know that without a lot of prompting, frankly, uh, he could have easily dismissed that question that he got. Um, you know, by just saying, oh, no, I was past the Masters. You know, I won a couple of weeks later, and I got in contention at Augusta again this year. And, um, you know, he could have easily just put that aside, but he didn't. You know, he said it was part part of what was going through his head. You know, he had a lead on Sunday, and just like he had a lead at Augusta last year, and he basically admitted, until I win another major, that's always going to be there. And, uh, you know, the discussion with his caddy, I thought it was – thought it was very gracious of him to give so much credit, um, you know, to acknowledge how much his caddy helped him. Uh, certainly, whether it was psychological or even just the, the you know, the, um, uh, the 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 raw numbers that that he brought up, all of that was really uh, good good stuff. And you know, for a guy who turns 24 tomorrow, um, pretty remarkable um, level of of maturity and uh, you know just. Uh, you know, a grasp of the enormity uh, at such a young age. Yeah, and I, I think maybe that those opening holes in which he went three over in four uh, to start was a little bit surprised. I mean, obviously, you know, a big, big major on the line. Uh, but with that three-shot lead and, you know, certainly Kuchar not having been somebody that's been in that position, um, you know, very often, uh, that he might, you know, have more... Um, you know, more sense of, of calm starting out. But he he did appear nervous. I mean, twitchy and missing some of those short putts. And, you know, I, I, I quite honestly, I thought, wow, you know, where where is this going coming out of the gate? Yeah, I um, on Saturday, I remember, you know, we were all sort of at ESPN asked to, to write a little thing about, you know, can anybody catch him? And, and I, and I wrote, you know, absolutely because three shots can be gone in a heartbeat and especially at the open. Right. And now while I might not have expected it to go down like that, you know, he was missing a lot of fairways for the week. He was a hundredth in fairways in terms of percentage. Um, he only hit like, uh, uh, I want to say, I believe it was for, you know, out of the 56 fairways, he only hit 24. Uh, and he only hit five on Sunday, you know. And, and I, I realize that sometimes that, that, you know, you can play from the rough, but you can also get some really bad lies, and it makes it harder to control the ball and all those things. And, you know, he was putting himself in some tough spots. He was in some difficult positions to try to approach the green, and, and, um, you know, I think it caught up with him finally a little bit. You know, he shot, he shot two rounds of 65 on Thursday and Saturday without a bogey, but he wasn't hitting fairways. And sometimes it catches up with you. And I think, of course, when you're a little bit nervous, too, you add that in, um, it all kind of snowballed into a situation where he was, he was feeling the pressure. He, did not, he, was, he was upset with himself because he wasn't putting well, didn't understand why his swing left him a little bit. Um, and that's why, you know, to hit the shots that he did on those, on those four holes. Now, you know, I realized that the Eagle and the birdie weren't necessary. They weren't gimmies, but, um, you know, he hit the green at, uh, 
at 15 in two, and Kuchar did not. Kuchar made birdie, but, uh, you know, he didn't have a really great eagle sh- chance, whereas, whereas, you know, Jordan at least gave himself a putt. And that and, eagle, um, that eagle was center cup. It had, yep. it had eyes on the cup. And and on seventeen too, you know, Kuchar, Kuchar knocked in a birdie putt from outside of Jordan. That if Jordan misses, he, the lead's one going to eighteen. Then anything can happen. And Jordan poured it on top of him. His was seven feet. Again, that's not a gimme. You know, so I mean, there's just a lot of clutch performing there. And uh, to summon it when you didn't have it for, for 12, 13 holes was, was pretty impressive. That put him sort of in a, really, in a, in a league of his own, Bob, when you consider that. Um, I, actually, he was 77th in driving accuracy, and 77 players made the cut. I mean, you know, in terms of his scrambling ability. And it was interesting because he shared in the press center, you know, about how when he was over there trying to figure out hole number 13. I mean, it seemed like that he reset himself. And what was interesting is he, you know, made a comment about, you know, unfortunately I'm not the greatest strike driver of the golf ball. So, you know, it was sort of like he's experienced being in that situation and almost like it, it calmed him down having to think through it all. Yeah, definitely. I mean, (laughs) you know, it's a weird weird way, way, right? Yeah. To, to take, some solace and well I've been here before uh you know I'm not sure that means that you're going to know how to handle that ruling but still it was smart of him to do it and um you know I I just uh I I think it's got to give him just another boost I mean it's it makes him that much when somebody's going against him knowing what he's able to pull off I think that makes it harder for the next guy now maybe the next guy takes the attitude hey look you know He's not he's not infallible. He could he could make some mistakes. We saw he made mistakes. Might be might give you know a, a, an opponent might think of it that way. It's probably the way to think about it. Actually, is to just can keep keep going because you never know. Like, Tiger used to you know in, intimidate people into thinking that he's never going to make an error. Tiger did make errors. Um, it's just that everybody else tried so hard to play way way better because they felt that they had to. And, um, you know, you just wonder now going forward, how much of a factor will that be for speed? Is it going to help him or hurt him? Um, you know, will, will, play, will other players recognize that, hey, look, he can make mistakes, or do they get into the mindset of, God, he can just do, do just about anything. I have to be perfect. Well, and, and um, I think I just as, think it's another thing that helps them. As somebody commented, right? Spieth happens, <laughs> and he just has <laughs> right. that way of uh, rallying and making those clutch shots that makes him exciting and certainly uh, Tiger-esque. Yeah, he does, and it's a great thing to have in your arsenal and to and to have going for you. And um, you know, good for him that he kind of put last year's Masters behind him, uh, and now I think it's. Uh, it's it's basically, um, you know, he's put himself in the conversation now, actually, for player of the year. In fact, you would probably have to say he is the player of the year if you compare him to Dustin Johnson. You know, he's got a major and Dustin doesn't. And uh, there's another major coming up. And uh, obviously the FedEx playoff events, he's, um, you know, it's just uh, maybe, again, the year of Jordan. Absolutely. Well, all eyes are going to be on Jordan as we approach 
the PGA Championship at Quail Hollow in just a couple of weeks. It's going to be uh, fun. It's hard to believe we're almost around the corner from the fourth major of the year. It's coming fast. As always, Bob, thanks so much. And uh, check out all of his post-open coverage on ESPN.com. Thanks, Bob. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks a lot. Take care. You're listening to 96.9 The Game. The Golf Insiders. We'll be right back. Quite an impact, actually, uh, when he sank that three iron and hit me in the back of the head. I can't believe I'm into this. I really hate to lose. Asking forgiveness. Got the struggler's blues. We're back. The Golf Insiders taking you home on the fairways of I-4 in the house, Holly G. And don't forget... You can get the Big Summer Golf Card, your ticket to a summer of great golf. Some of the best rates in Orlando. This 22-year-old prestige discount card now available in Orlando. You can play more than 35 courses. Your favorite courses are on this card, and um, you can check out the rates and the special offers, lots of things going on, the big money tour, as well as hole-in-one contests and monthly prize drawings to all card holders. Check it out, bigsummergolf.com. Now, 50% off, you can get it for just $29.95, $29.95, bigsummergolf.com. Check it out. We thank them so much for partnering with the Golf Insiders. And we're going to waste no more time. We've got one of our favorites, and he has been globetrotting all across the U.K., and he's back to spend a few minutes with us. Damon Hack, co-host for Morning Drive on the Gulf Channel. Hello, my friend. Holly G., what's going on? How are you, pal? Hey, I just want to carry your bag and just, you know, <laughs> be your grip, hold your microphone. You have been on quite a little tour. Share, share some of it with our listeners. Yeah, yeah. Actually started out on vacation with the family in Sicily uh, due, to, due to them in London. And I uh, headed up to Belfast for the hour drive to Port Stewart for the Irish Open in uh, Northern Ireland, County, uh, they call it Lady, And it was just a incredible spark, County, County Derry, I should say. From there, we went to uh, across the uh, Irish Sea over to Scotland for the Scottish Open, the Aberdeen Asset Management. There, a four-hour drive down to England for the Open Championship, the 146th edition at Royal Birkdale, and uh, and back home now. So it was a, a great month, and uh, but also great to be back in Florida. Absolutely. Well, you know, as a longtime writer for Sports Illustrated, I know you've covered many an Open Championship. I was talking earlier with Bob Herrig, and I said, you know, who would have thought, uh, you know, we could have had as epic a finish as last year. Clearly, this one was, was of a different variety, but your thoughts on, you know, that, that final round on Sunday with, uh, you know, uh, Jordan and unfortunately Kuchar, um, you know, coming up a little short. Oh, it was, it was epic theater. Uh, Jordan Spieth has, uh, you know, become the bold-faced type player, uh, especially when you look at the American players. Uh, all due respect to Dustin Johnson and Ricky Fowler. Uh, both for good and for bad. I mean, let's not forget last year and, and the uh, epic meltdown on the 12th hole, but uh, obviously the two major championships before in 2015 
and then this remarkable turnaround. And it's interesting that he thought he was perhaps in the midst of letting another major championship go, had thoughts of 2016 and the 12th hole at Augusta uh, on the way to that bogey on 13, which turned out to be an absolutely great bogey, maybe the greatest bogey we've ever seen in major championship history with the drop by the equipment trailers and, and the iron that comes up short, and then he gets up and down and saves five, and then birdies 14, eagles 15, birdies 16, and he just went on a tear, five under his last five holes, and, and the rest is history. And I think we're looking at a situation where, to me, Jordan Spieth and Roy McIlroy are the two players right now that are vying kind of for the throne of Tiger Woods. You know, Jordan has three majors, Rory has four. I think we'll spend the next five years really looking at those two guys, maybe separating themselves from the rest of the golf golfing uh, world. Yeah, and, and Rory ended up with uh, a tie for fourth, which a lot of people may have not realized given everything that was going on between Spieth and Kuchar. Yeah, and it was good for Rory. He had that streak of three missed cuts and four events. I was at two of those, the, uh, the Irish and the Scottish. The Irish, of course, he's the host of. Uh, went to the Scottish looking for some form, did not find it, uh, thought that he was closer than everybody thought. And, and I think the tie for fourth was indicative that he is uh, about ready to get out of this funk. Obviously, he changed equipment, changed golf balls, got married, got injured. So it's been a kind of a start and stop season for him. Uh, the fact that the PGA Championship is at Quail Hollow where he has two wins and a runner-up finish, rounds of 61 and 62. I think Quill Hollow is going to be just what the doctor ordered for Roy McIlroy. I couldn't agree more. And how about Brandon Grace on Saturday with that record-setting 62 in a major? Yeah, and I have to give credit to uh, our newest NBC and Golf Channel uh, employee, Jim Bones McKay, who on Saturday morning said there's a 62 out here. Yes, and he did. Being the first ever 62 in a men's major championship. You know, we saw Tiger with that 62-and-a-half, they call it, uh, from Southern Hills at the PGA. Uh, Phil Mickelson uh, was so close himself to shooting 62 at Troon one year ago, and it was a situation where you had good conditions and, and a player in Brandon Grace who's world-class. He's the winner of the RBC Heritage, was in the field and in mix and contention at the 2015 U.S. Open at Chambers Bay, uh, part of that great uh, group of South African players, including Louis Eustace and Charles Schwartzel, obviously Ernie Els uh, and Trevor Immelman and Gary Player going back to the day. But but Brandon Grace is a legitimate player. Uh, that 62 was a fantastic round of golf. And speaking of some fantastic golf, got to give a big shout out to the Golf Channel. Last night you had the Mile High Showdown, the world-long drive event in Denver. And uh, our very own Maurice Allen from Orlando uh, Maurice, who I've followed for a, a, a while, coming out on top in the men's division. And Troy Mullins in the women's division, she was amazing. Yeah, it was a lot of fun to watch. Those two absolutely pound the golf ball. Uh, 398 she hit it? Separation. I mean, it's just incredible. And, and, and she's, you know, she was a heptathlete at Cornell, uh, a great athlete. And, and, and you know, Maurice Allen is a, is a great showman. Uh, but also has the skill and the talent to back it up. And, you know, we've hung out with him at, at, at some PGA uh, merchandise show weeks. Yes. Uh, seeing him doing his thing, playing his trade at, at, at different golf courses in the area. Of course, he's from Pine Hills uh, and really is just a, a positive story, someone who's uplifting and giving back to the community and now really reaching the top of his sport 
uh, by winning that belt in uh, last night in Denver. And for Troy, uh, obviously a, a bright, bright future in the, in the world long drive game as well. Well, and she certainly brought new meaning to, uh, you know, swing big and swing smoothly. I mean, she's she's uh, just a peanut, really, compared to, you know, these guys and smacking it at almost 400 yards. Yeah, a beautiful golf swing. And, and if you just watched her swing the club and didn't know she was on a grid uh, with the 300-yard and 400-yard markers, you might want to say, you know what, if she's just standing on the driving range or you saw her just hit a tee shot at your local golf club, you'd say, well, what a, what a great golf swing. She has a great golf swing. And the guys on the show – Charlie and Travis and Robert Dameron, they were talking about it, technically sound, uh, great balance, great finish, and, and she has a great golf swing. Uh, you know, world long drive or not, she just has a beautiful golf swing. Absolutely. Well, as, as always, we appreciate your time, Damon, and uh, all the great coverage from the Golf Channel, wall-to-wall coverage during the majors, including morning drive, and uh, we are super excited as we turn the corner to August for the PGA Championship. We appreciate your time. Thank you, my friend. Thanks, Holly G. Talk to you soon. All righty. You're listening to the Golf Insiders, 96.9 The Game. Stay with us. More golf talk coming up. Hey, Harry, thanks a lot for all the security you provide for us. Well, it's my job to keep all those nuts away from you. That's just the way it is. Don't play in pebble. Won't pay the price. I love my muni. I think it's nice. If we could just make part. Insiders, taking you home on the fairways of I-4. In the house, Holly G. And as we've been talking about, we are partnered with the big summer golf card. Uh, just a terrific prestige card that gives you discounts all over Orlando. They've been in Florida for more than 20 years and now in Orlando offering you the best rates all summer long, actually through October, uh, and in many cases, uh, the best rates you can get by having one of the big summer golf cards. And they've got a big outing coming up at Celebration Golf Club Monday, August 7th. This is a chance to come out and play some golf. 9 a.m. shotgun. $40 per player includes golf cart, lunch, goodies, prizes, contests, and all the proceeds go to the first tee. The big summer golf card outing at Celebration, Monday, August 7th. 9 a.m. shotgun, just $40 a player. Check it out. And uh, you can reach out to Greg at BigSummerGolf.com, Greg at BigSummerGolf.com, or go to the Golf Insiders under events, and you can register there. We'll waste no more time. We're going to go to one of our favorite Golf Insiders, contributor to PGATour.com, Pro Golf Weekly, and now the Inside Take, the Golf Insiders blog, Jeff Shane on the line. Hello, my friend. I'm doing well. How are you? Well, you know, uh, recovering from... That amazing finish on Sunday. We've been talking about it all show. I think we're going to be talking about it for a long time to come. And now all eyes are on Jordan as we approach the PGA Championship. Yeah, and uh, that has to go down as one of the all-time recoveries. Not, not the bogey. What happened after the bogey at Royal Birkdale? When you think about it, Matt Kuchar played the next four holes in two under par and wound up with tire tracks along his backside because Jordan just 
metamorphosized right before us. <laughs> yeah, sure did. And, um, you know, it's interesting because we talk about it every week. Um, and, you know, Kutcher was, um, you know, probably you know, just as honest as, as Jordan in the press room. He said it's crushing, it hurts. And in particular, he said you work so hard to get to this position you don't get that many opportunities. These guys talk about that every week, and you know, clearly, being in that position for a major, uh, certainly the best he's ever finished, or you know, having had one hand on the jug. Yeah, and uh, I think one good uh, thing that Matt can take out of Royal Birkdale is that uh, he's actually doing it. On a, on a more regular basis now. Not only was he runner-up last weekend, but he was fourth at the Masters. He had a top 20 at Aaron Hills. Uh, he had the bronze medal at Rio. And in, even deep into last year, we were saying, Matt Kuchar has the Players' Championship and what else? He, he's a top 10 machine, but he doesn't show up on the biggest stages. And now he's showing up on the biggest stages, which has to be encouraging once he recovers from the gut punch that he got on Sunday. Yeah, and in true uh, Kuchar fashion, he said, all you can really do is sit back, tip your cap, and say, well done. Uh, you know, the sportsmanship between both of these guys, uh, you know, I think is what is the shining bright light about our sport. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, uh, you, you had to feel bad for Matt kneeling there on the towel in the middle of the fairway, or not in the middle of the fairway, but at the edge of the fairway, um, because there really wasn't anything he could do, and, and unbeknownst to him, but you know, available to all of us on TV, was Jordan was not exactly lollygagging around. That was a very efficient 20 minutes that he spent trying to get his relief and figure out what his next uh, – uh, what his next shot was, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but, boy, when when you're on the other side of that and all you can do is wait. I had this conversation with somebody earlier today, in fact, is, you know, should, uh, should, should the officials have let Matt finish the hole while Jordan was trying to figure out what to do and not, not take Matt out of his rhythm so much? Yeah, that is a question that has come up, right? Even some talk about should there be a, a time clock. I mean, you know, when you're looking for a, a lost ball or an out-of-bounds ball, right, you, uh, you've got five minutes, basically. Uh, and, and certainly, to some extent, uh, you, you know, you can call this rub of the green, but it certainly, um, you know, could have thrown off another player. Uh, you know, Kuchar seemed to handle it very well. Uh, and in Jordan's um, situation, he seemed to hit the reset button. Yeah, it, it completely reset everything. And it's like that, that awful shot snapped him to attention because he had been operating and just kind of in this weird weird zone where he was anxious. Uh, the early struggles, particularly on the greens, were kind of uh, getting to him. Uh, he, was, he was not the Jordan that we had seen the first three days. And, and maybe, you know, some of the, the 12th hole at Augusta was – was uh, nipping at the back of his brain. But I tell you, when that ball went out, um, it, it was like, it, it was like a, a, they, they said on the broadcast, and it's hard to come up with a better description, the switch flipped. He became take charge, Jordan. Okay, 
Let's take a look at this. This kind of looks unplayable. Is the practice range out of bounds? No? Okay. Let's try and see what kind of shot we can create from behind the equipment trucks. And here he is wandering in and out of the equipment trucks, trying to keep his line of sight. Just a different Jordan. And then he gets the bonus of bogeying the hole instead of double bogeying. And, uh, you know, what can you say about that tee shot that was two inches from being an ace? <laughs> Everything changed in that 29 minutes on 13. Well, now he will start to feel the pressure that Roy McElroy has been feeling mm-hmm. since the Masters that Phil Mickelson knows all about trying to capture the U.S. Open to be one of only five men that have won the career Grand Slam, certainly golf's most prestigious and elite club. Yeah, and not only that, but uh, he has this one opportunity, uh, if he wants to think about it. He, this is, he has a singular opportunity to become the youngest to wrap up the career Grand Slam. If he doesn't do it at Quail Hollow, then Tiger Woods, will have completed it at a younger age. I don't know that it matters all that much when uh, you're just looking to become the sixth at any age to do it. But uh, I, I would think that, you know, Jordan has got enough, you know, a, a good head on him to try and not to let it get to him uh, and, and put that kind of pressure on. But I think as we saw at Burkdale, uh, sometimes there are those, those little imps tugging at the back of your brain that you try to push aside, but sometimes it's harder than you think it is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So, you know, it was interesting in the mix to see Ian Poulter uh, sort of back to his fiery self. Uh, We had, you know, Hideki Matsuyama in the mix, Henrik Stenson, Paul Casey. I was probably most surprised that Brooks Kepka didn't, you know, really didn't make a run at it on Sunday. Well, I I think we're, we're still trying to see what we get out of Brooks Kepka, and maybe Brooks is trying to figure out uh, what he what he can do on a consistent basis now that he's a major champion. I thought it was quite astounding that he played as well as he did for three and a half days, having played not a single competitive round between Aaron Hills and Burkdale, and all of a sudden he's obviously he's well rested, but he's in the mix. He's playing uh, playing solid golf, and I don't know whether uh, Lynx golf caught up to him or whether he ran out of steam. Uh, it, it's hard to say, but I think uh, I guess I think we'll get a better idea uh, at Quail Hollow, maybe where Brooks Kepka is. Quail Hollow should be a course that fits his type of game, being the long hitter, uh, being the, the, the kind of guy that can take advantage of some really, really strong holes like you get at the Green Mile at Quail Hollow. Um, so I think we'll, we'll get a better feel of, of where Brooks Kepia is going forward uh, when we get to Charlotte in a couple of weeks. And it's certainly Rory has got to be feeling in a very good place because we know he loves that golf course more than anybody Uh, and and you think of the two wins that he had at quail hollow the first one was this epic back nine charge uh to nip phil mickelson for his first pga tour victory 
And if that wasn't spectacular enough, then he comes back a few years later and flirts with 59 <laughs> and wins it in just dominating fashion. So I think you you have to make him a co-favorite with Jordan. I think I think the, the momentum of the Open Championship makes Jordan a co-favorite. So put those two together. Ricky Fowler has been knocking, um, and he's a former champion at Quail Hollow who's played there fairly consistently. So he's somebody that, that really ought to be licking his chops. Uh, I'll give you a little bit of a dark horse who's another former champion at Quail Hollow uh, that, that maybe his time is good because he's played decently this year, and that's J.B. Holmes. So I, I think the Quail Hollow really does create some interesting storylines. I, I think we're fortunate, perhaps, in that uh, uh, Quail Hollow has landed in this spot on the major calendar because I think it brings a lot of great storylines that were kind of lurking out there. It, it kind of coalesces them into one spot. Couldn't agree more. And we're just two weeks away as we get to the fourth major of the season. Hard to believe. And... Uh, we appreciate all your insights and coverage. Jeff Shane, check him out on the Golf Insiders blog, The Inside Take. Jeff, thank you so much. Thank you. Always glad. You're listening to the Golf Insiders, 96.9 The Game. Stay with us. More golf talk coming up. Well, I don't want to take all the credit for their talent, but uh, first I had to teach them to play golf. Then I had to teach them to sing. And then I taught them to play various instruments, none of which they do very well. I want my dream. Yeah, yeah, really not so lean and mean. I got good We're back. The Golf right. Insiders wrapping up an hour of intelligent golf talk in the house. Holly G. And our special thanks to our partner, the Big Summer Golf Card, for this special edition of the Golf Insiders wrapping up the Open Championship. Uh, the big summer golf outing is happening at Celebration Golf Club Monday, August 7th. Time is 9 a.m., $40 per player. Great deal to go play Celebration. Includes golf, cart, lunch, prizes. I played in the last one. It's a whole lot of fun. And all the proceeds, your donation is going to the first tee. So check it out. You can go to the Golf Insiders, check on our events and promo page, and you can register there for the big summer golf outing at Celebration, Monday, August 7th. And as you know, we have partnered and been giving away the big summer golf card. You can get one for you and maybe your buddies uh, at BigSummerGolf.com. It's $29.95 right now. You can get it for 50% off. And you get the best discounts in the area, all the greatest courses in Orlando through the end of October, and some of them through December. So we're going to give one away right now because, you know, it's the Golf Insiders. We love to give away swag. Caller number 3, 407-916-8255, 407-916-8255, 407-916-8255. Call now. Caller number 3, win yourself a big summer golf card. Wasting no more time. We're wrapping up this big hour of uh, breaking down the Open Championship with Kevin Casey, the associate editor at Golf Week. Hello, Kevin. Hello, Holly. How are you doing this afternoon? Awesome. Well, you know, we've just, uh, how, how, we could probably spend five hours tonight talking about the Open Championship. So much, uh, such, such an epic, epic Sunday. 
uh, over there at Royal Birkdale. Um, of course, we've talked about Jordan and Matt Kuchar. Uh, you know, there's some su- surprises there. Uh, Dustin Johnson, uh, John Rahm. You know, maybe, it, you know, people were thinking maybe it was Ricky's time. Um, your thoughts? Yeah, I know. It was, <laughs> yeah, it was definitely a crazy week. Um, yeah, as, as you mentioned, we get talking about the Jordan Spieth, Matt Kuchar stuff. Talk about the 13th hole with Jordan Spieth for five hours alone probably. But, yeah, with the Open, it's just it's very tough to predict, um, especially weather. You know, you don't know how these guys are going to perform in certain weather. There's not a long track record sometimes with how certain guys have done certain wind and certain weather. Um, but, yeah, yeah, so I know, yeah, Ricky was definitely a popular favorite coming in. You know, he didn't play awful. He finished T22, not terrible. It's just, it just tough to win majors. So, I mean, uh, I don't really see anything more than golf just being hard there. There's nothing really there with Ricky. I was a DJ. Uh, he he admitted, I think, this was May yesterday or the other day, that he's still not 100% from the back injury. The back injury I'm referring to, obviously, is the one he got at the Masters when he fell down the stairs and had to withdraw from that tournament. He took a month off. And, yeah, he's still not 100% there. So, that's probably a, that's obviously affecting him and makes sense because he's really after winning three straight events going to the Masters he's had one great finish Wells Fargo T2 there but otherwise you know a couple other high finishes too but other you know his last three events are miscut miscut T54 so I think you know maybe a lingering injury issue there so um, so yeah with him it just you know he's got to get time to heal and maybe get back in the groove I was I was I'll say with uh, someone I want to mention is Rory McIlroy who. You know, he got to a horrible start at the Open, five over through six holes, and got a stern talking to from his caddy. I can't use the exact words on radio, but got a stern talking to uh, from his caddy, J.P. Fitzgerald. And, you know, he turned it all around and finished T4 in a, in a summer where everything was going wrong. So T4 is a big, big result for him. And he was in it for about 15 minutes when Jordan Spieth was falling apart in 13. So huge props to Rory from going from absolutely out of it, missing the cut to top five finish. I really think, you know, of course, uh, the Masters is the Masters, but there's just something about the Open Championship, the unpredictability, as you were saying, the weather, the pop bunkers, the gorse, the rough, the wind, the rain, right, and the pressure. You just never know <laughs> what's going to happen on Sunday. Exactly. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I don't think anyone would have predicted, okay, Jordan Speed is going to play. You know, let's be honest, those first 12 holes, he just didn't play well at all. I mean, 13 too, of course, but um, he just didn't play well at all. And then had, no one could have predicted that drop situation he was going to have there. And then just flips a switch and goes 500 in his next four holes. It's very, you know, even you know, Tiger, you may see that from time to time, that, that quick, a, you know, a burst. But, you know, that's incredibly rare in golf to see. Yeah, absolutely. This week, we're going to spend a few minutes before we wrap up here talking about the RBC Canadian Open, which is happening at Glen Abbey Golf Club in Ontario, Canada, a great golf course. I've played it. Um, tell us a little bit about what we should be, you know, who should we be keeping our eyes on? And, and this is a great championship. It is, yeah. I mean, back in the day, I mean, I don't know when it kind of, it was unofficial, but back in the day, this was considered the Triple Crown, the U.S. Open, British Open, or sorry, Open Championship for the um, U.S. people out there, and the Canadian Open. Lee Gervino won in 71. There was a huge accomplishment. All three of them in 71, and it was a huge accomplishment. Uh, but, yeah, with the Canadian Open, as you said, it's playing at uh, Glen Abbey this year. And if you don't know about Glen Abbey, you've played it. I actually haven't. Um, that's 
probably the most famous moment is when it was in 2000 when Tiger hit the six iron from 213 yards from the bunker to win it. That was at Glen Abbey at that Canadian Open in 2000. So that's kind of some kind of people are wondering what that course is because they you know they flip sites with the Canadian Open Canadian Open sometimes. But uh, yeah, for this tournament, you know, obviously kind of the top guys going in. Dustin's in the field this week, so even though as I mentioned he's slumping a little bit and has some you know so some lingering injury issues, he's obviously the number one player in the world, so he's going to be one of the top draws, one of the favorites this week. Matt Kuchar's coming in, obviously, off a great performance. I mean, if one, if, you know, one or two things go differently at the Open, he's coming back with a with a claret jug, so he's playing extremely good golf right now. Um, someone who, you know, we did actually did our fan golf who does fancy expert picks each week. I, for me, actually, my winner I picked was David Lingmurth, which is a little bit off the charts because he missed the cut of the Scottish Open, but otherwise, he's been playing really well of late, and was the 18, 36, and 54 hole leader at the Quicken Loans National and just couldn't hold on. It seems like he just he's in a groove right now. You know, again, missed the cut at Scottish, but that's one bad week. So he's been playing well, and I think he's due that second PJ Tour win. Uh, otherwise, some other you know, Tony Finau, Charlie Hoffman, a couple big names in the field there. Ian Poulter's playing this week, and he's been playing well. Uh, he you know he was in contention at the Scottish and the Open Championship and got top 15s in both, and it's amazing what. He's been able to do these last few months. A few months ago, he lost his PJ Tour card, and now because of you know, uh, uh, randomly of all people, Brian Gay actually saved him his PJ Tour card after that, and now he's on a roll. So it's pretty amazing to see Ian Poulter turn around the last last couple of months. It'll be interesting to see if he can kind of continue his great play this week. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and um, we had um, uh, rookie Grayson Murray winning at the Barbasol Championship. A lot of people forget there's another. PGA Tour event that goes on simultaneously. You're right, yeah, and that's a that's a big win. Uh, I think he finished 21 under for the week, so I mean you got to be golfing your ball to do that. And yeah, Grayson obviously is a controversial figure. He's a PGA Tour rookie, and you know he's lit up social media with uh, some interesting posts. Um, you know he speaks his mind, um, and that's great. You speak your mind, that's awesome. Obviously his opinions don't mesh with everyone's, and he can be a little bit too blunt for some people's taste. So. I know he's gotten a lot of flack for what he said in social media and he's actually gotten off social media at least once, taking a hiatus because of all the abuse he's gotten. So he's a complicated character, and, you know, some people don't like him, some people love him. Um, so it's definitely an interesting victory, and, um, you know, victory for uh, makes a interesting character, a PJ Tour winner. And, you know, Grayson, too, he's pretty young, too. As I mentioned, he's a PJ Tour rookie, so he's someone to look out for. Well, we've got one minute left, and the Senior Open Championship happens in Wales. I mean, these guys take one week off, and then they're back into another major, the Champions Tour. I mean, these guys are tough. <laughs> yeah, I know. They uh, they have a compact schedule of the major championships, but, I mean, hey, I mean, they love, they're still out there playing competitively, so I'm, if they played 10 majors each year, I'm sure, I'm sure maybe they gripe a little bit, but I'm sure they wouldn't totally mind. Um, but, yeah, no, uh, Another great major out there. And a quick pick before be we a, qu- a quick pick before we right, go. go um, I'm just gonna go chalky with Bernard Longer. I know I, I picked him for the U.S. Senior Open. That didn't work out too well, but he's always just kind of a guy to fall back on there. And I know he's had some issues with uh, people claiming he's anchoring and that all of that stuff. But I don't know. I he he's, he can he's he set his piece there and he'll, he'll be fine. I think so. I'm just gonna go total chalk there at Bernard. All right, Kevin Casey from Golf Week. Check out all their great coverage at golfweek.com. Thank you so much, Kevin. Appreciate it.
Thank you, Holly. That's it for the Golf Insiders. What a terrific week of golf we had. The Open Championship, just Jordan Spieth on top. And we've got a great week coming up.